Welcome to the This Week in Rays Baseball Podcast. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Thanks very much for joining us. It's certainly been a busy week for the Rays, a busy week for baseball, too, as we welcome back from vacation Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Sorry to end your uh, week on a downer by doing this podcast, but I appreciate you coming on. Well, you know, Neil, I spent four weeks just thinking I couldn't wait to get back and have the opportunity for you to call me and do this. Yes, uh, this this has got it. Yeah, the, the highlight or low light of your week, depending on how you want to look at it. There certainly were many highlights to touch on this week. Uh, you know, I think the biggest, let's look at the game of baseball before we get into the Rays and the Hall of Fame vote, because it still uh, leads to so much conversation. You you picked the three that got in, uh, Bagwell, Pudge, and Reigns. Probably the thing I was most curious about, and, and I know you explained it in your article, but for our audience, why did you vote on nine when so many people have had a tough time just picking ten, you didn't use all ten? Well, I have used 10 the last few years, and I think one point to clarify briefly is that it's not a requirement. I think Correct. people have lost sight of that. There's been so much talk about the fact that we've been limited by 10 each year that people feel like you're now obligated to vote for 10. You know, I have kind of my core group of guys that I have voted for each year, and you know, as I wrote them down and I started looking at other people, obviously I made the switch this year, voted for Tim Raines, and that became my ninth. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I went through the other candidates, you know, the obvious candidates, Edgar Martinez, obviously a very, very good hitter, Mike Mucina, a very qualified pitcher, Kurt Schilling, you know, whatever you think of his political and social media views, obviously an interesting resume to look at. But I, I just was not uh, convinced, and I had not voted for those guys in the past, and I was not convinced, even though I, you know, had a spot, that they were worthy of my vote. I mean, I did flip on Tim Raines, and, and I think that we have the right to uh, mm-hmm. change our minds, and people have done that both on the steroids guys and on other candidates. But it just was simply a matter of I didn't feel there was another worthy candidate. The uh, the the flip on Reigns, because Jason Stark wrote about it extensively, and you actually were one of the writers that he quoted. What was your tipping point? Um, what was, you know, and how how much, at what point did you say, okay, uh, you know, I think I think he deserves to be in? Yeah, he, Jason Stark made me sound really smart in that article, too. I, I, I've got to thank him for that. I, you know what? It, the fact that I had the spot available because I wasn't limited by my 10, as I had, range was 11 for me for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And now I had a chance to, to look at that again. I had the spot available. You know, I think we have all become smarter and, and not necessarily, you know, are becoming a range truther here, but I think we've all become smarter by some of the sabermetric analysis of, of different guys' careers. I think you can make a pretty good case, as I said, for Reigns. And I was never really against him. He was always just not quite there for me. And with the spot available, and, and you know, sports writers aren't supposed to have any streaks of sentimentality in us. But, you know, a lot of people that I know that are smart people have voted for him. And this was his last year. And I thought, you know, I, I owe it to Tim Reigns. I owe it to the integrity of my ballot to really look at his case significantly, you know, with a lot of scrutiny this year because, you know, there's no making up for it. And, Obviously, he made it by many votes. My vote was not in any way the difference. But I felt good that you know I put in the time and made the decision I did and then saw he ended up getting rewarded for it, which was good for him. And I think Edgar Martinez is probably going to fall into that category the next couple of years. And I'm curious, you know, going forward, how he is looked at, not only by you, well, but, the, but the rest of the group. And, and an interesting part with Edgar is, and, and I'm one of the people that has, you know, kind of held, you know, the DH thing against him mm-hmm. because that's where he made it. But, but David Ortiz is going to be on that ballot in a couple of years. And people who've said no to DHs and use that against Edgar, so to speak, are going to be facing a difficult decision because David Ortiz's numbers 
are more impressive than Edgar's overall, well, but a majority of them at the DH position. So, somewhat. I mean, I, I yeah. you know, and that's probably a debate for another day, but you can look at his overall slash line. In some areas, Edgar's better than David. Um, yeah, and I think maybe in the big moments is where you think of David Ortiz, but, but it's going to create a whole new conversation about the DH spot on these Hall of Fame guys. You know, there were a couple guys who were close who didn't get in. Uh, Edgar was sixth among voters. Uh, you voted for Trevor Hoffman, who was the closest to not getting in, uh, and, and so much has been debated about relievers. But what about Vladimir Guerrero? First time on the ballot, a lot of people thought he was going to get in. You Again, he, he could have been your 10th. Um, he could have. He could have. What was the deciding factor on him? You know, I, it's interesting because, you know, I was surprised at such a groundswell of, of opinion, public support and opinion for Vlad. I thought, to me, and, and again, looking at it, and it was his first year on the ballot, I'm not one who holds first year against guys, but, you know, there is certainly something special about guys who are elected on their first time. I, I just felt Vlad wasn't quite there, and I, and I know you can make a case for his period of dominance, and you can make a case for his consistency, but, you know, there's also the strikeouts. There's also some defensive things about him that you can pick at. So I just felt Vlad Guerrero, to me, wasn't quite there. And, and you, again, have the opportunity to vote. I made a faux ballot. I actually put Larry Walker ahead of, of Vladimir Guerrero, I think, I think because of the defense and the other things you talk about. But let's move from Hall of Fame to the guys who are just trying to get to the big leagues, and that was Winter Development Camp. You did a really interesting piece on Willie Adamas, um, to me, I would guess him being on the 40-man and him already spending time in the States, spending a week with Chris Archer, is probably the most intriguing story out of what took place this week, yes? I think so. And, and, and you know, I'd heard about that, that Chris Archer had uh, gone out and sought this out. He'd reached out to Willie and said, you know, hey, would you like to come up before uh, the winter development camp? You know, I'll he'll work out all the details and brought him down to the IMG Academy, which obviously is an elite-level training facility just, you know, on the other side of the Skyway Bridge. And yeah, everyone you talk to, and, and it's easy for, for Mitch Lukovic, who works for the Rays, to say mm-hmm. nice things about Willie Adamas, but you talk to other people in the organization, you talk to players, you talk to staff people, and, and everyone along the way tells you the same thing. I mean, he's a great guy, he's got great intangibles, he has made an effort to, to become a team leader in terms of you know, speaking English. I saw him translating, I didn't have a chance to get that in the article, he was translating one of the English-speaking players wanted to borrow something from one of the Spanish-speaking players in the clubhouse the other day when we were in there, and he called Willie over to translate and just to help him do that. And, and I know that for those people that grew up in the U.S. and don't have a concept of that, but in a baseball clubhouse, that's a huge deal for a guy willing to do that. And he's a natural leader. Everyone talks about his, uh, the spark he has, the smile, the energy he mm-hmm. brings. Jake Bowers said he's hit behind him for two years now, and he said he couldn't tell me the number of times he's been in the on-deck circle and Willie's at the plate, no matter how tough the situation, how tough the opposing pitcher is, and he just looks at him, and Willie gives him a smile or a grin or something and a wink, and next thing you know, there's a hit, game-winning hit, and they're both laughing about it afterwards. So I think you just see a guy who has all the tools. Now he still has to be tested. He's not there yet. He hasn't played a, you know, an out at AAA yet. He hasn't taken a swing at AAA. He didn't do particularly well in the Winter League. He played at the very highest level in the Dominican for a month or so, 10 games, didn't get in much. But this is going to be a big year. Willie Adamas, he gets off to a good start, and that I think that track and that launch to get to the big leagues is going to take on steam. And we're going to hear from Willie a little bit later on in the podcast. Now, those are guys who are, are trying to get to the big leagues. Uh, the Rays did make a move at the big league level. I guess it's really for, in large part, to add guys eventually in Colby Rasmus and Sean Tolleson, and that was the trade of Mikey Matsuk. What was your take on it? I wasn't as surprised as maybe he was when you spoke with him. 
Yeah, I talked to him last night on, um, excuse me, on Thursday night, and he was definitely surprised. Uh, when it happened, and you know, he said he was working out and already had plans for his spring training rental, and and was expecting to head down to Port Charlotte in a few weeks. Here, I, I guess where I was surprised, Neil, is, is simply this: is in, in making the trade for Malik Smith uh, last week, and you know, even though the Rasmus deal isn't official, the sense we've gotten from the Rays is it was all done to create competition and depth in the outfield, and then to turn around and, and take Mikey Matuk out of that. Look, he had a very disappointing 2016 season. There's no doubt about it. But whatever you know, the Rays, the currency the Rays had from his successful September in 2015, it seems that maybe they gave up on him. I don't know. Maybe they, you know, they always think the team should know the most about his players. But I was just surprised that we've heard, you know, there's different takes on Malik Smith. Maybe he needs more time at AAA. Maybe he should play every day at AAA rather than be a bench guy at the big league level. You know, the Rays want depth. You know, they're looking at a situation where they're pretty left-handed, potentially, in the outfield with Dickerson, Rasmus, and Kiermaier. So it just seemed to me you would have kept a right-handed bat, a hustle guy who's got some speed. Uh, you would have kept him around and maybe made this deal at the end of spring training. But, obviously, they felt they needed the roster spot. There's still some guys, you know, maybe you would have thought would have been more likely a couple of the relievers to go, and they still have to make another move as well. And I think what I also said, and I actually uh, put a, a blog post on it, was perhaps... If you look at the numbers and forget where they were, where they were drafted, the player the Rays took a week earlier in Jason Coates from the White Sox, um, maybe they valued him or or they did value him higher than Mikey Matuk, that they saw him as a slightly better version of what Mikey is now, a year younger with another option. Yeah, and that's definitely possible. And, and you know, in, in, in essence, even though they traded Mikey Matuk for cash or to player be named, you, you bring up a good point, which I don't say very often just kidding <laughs> but no in essence they traded Mikey Matic for Jason Coates and if they do feel that way about Coates I'm not as familiar with his game and, and haven't really looked too much at his uh resume yet but that certainly would allow them to have that depth that we were just talking about no uh, doubt I mean because beyond that you, you'd be looking at De'Ron Verona or Johnny Field if they had an injury during spring training and and going forward I would think that within the next week we're going to hear something become official on Colby Rasmus and or Sean Tolleson and the Rays have one roster spot open now on the 40 man and that would mean that you would think that they're going to make another move soon yeah I mean obviously they have to and and whether you know, like I said, you could make a case that maybe there's there's a uh, some wiggle room with some of the relievers they have there. There's a little bit of uh, repetition or a couple extra guys maybe that don't look like they're going to make the team, so maybe that's where they go with that move. But they've got to create a little space, and there's still some guys out there. I mean, you still wonder what they might do going forward if you know they might be tempted if the market drops on some of these veteran hitters that are out there. Yeah, we saw Mark Trumbo and Jose Bautista go back within division. Um, probably got less than they thought they were going to, I would guess, at the start. Yeah, there's no doubt Jose Bautista's miscalculation of the market, you know, assuming the reports that he was offered a $150 million multi-year deal from Toronto at some point last year. Yeah, that miscalculation of the market is clearly going to be something hanging over his head. But I also can tell you that I would, you know, if, hel- if healthy, and that is a big proviso, but if healthy, a motivated Jose Bautista on a short-term deal could be a monster player. No doubt, no doubt. And there's some guys out there who could be very helpful to the Rays. So it's going to be an interesting next few weeks. I would say this is about the late, as late as it's gotten in terms of still having some really good names out there on the market who could help a big league club. No doubt, and, I, and that's a product of a couple things. But I think for a big part, it's the CBA taking so long where a lot of the free agent business wasn't going to be able to conduct it until the new rules were put in place. And, you know, that really wasn't 
until you know December or so. So I think the the entire market was essentially set back a month. Good stuff as usual, Mark. Uh, I hope you enjoyed your vacation, and hopefully this week wasn't too taxing for you. You know what, Neil? It was it was Big Ben. It was uh, the Eiffel Tower, and it was coming back to do your podcast. Yeah, Eiffel Tower podcast. Big Ben. Which one of these does not belong? Thank you again, Mark. <laughs> All right. Take care. Thanks very much to Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. As we discussed with him, this was Winter Development Camp Week, and I spoke with several race prospects, including Willie Adamas, the top position player prospect in the organization. Willie was added to the 40-man for the first time this past November, and I asked what it meant to him. I got surprised, man, for real, but it means a lot to me and my family that they put me in the 40-man because that gave me the opportunity to possibly make the team. But... What can I tell you, man? I'm just so happy and excited to get on the field, man. Where were you when you got the phone call? At home, in Dominican Republic. I was in, in my hometown with my family. My, my mother was right next to me, and she got so happy, man. That, that means a lot to me, a lot. It's made me, made me happy, happy too, man, because I, want, I just want to make my family proud. What will it mean to them when you finally get to the big leagues? I don't know. I think they're going to be happy, man. I mean, they, they're going to see their son just getting to the big league because that's my dream, and they know that. So what can I tell you? I know you're working hard. You went to the prospect camp in D.C. What did you learn? Uh, they, was, they were talking about, you know, how to, how to work with the media guys and how do you how you work with yourself out of the field? It's very very educative. So I I wish every guy got the opportunity to go there and get that that mini camp that they do over there. It's pretty impressive. I learned some things that I never I never get I never get the opportunity to hear about it. You know. So anything in particular? Like. How, how I got to act when I'm doing an interview and everything like that, you know, some, 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 something like that. You're pretty good at that already, though. <laughs> I'm trying to. <laughs> you worked out for a week with Chris Archer? What was that like, and who, who set that up? Him. He, he, he does everything. He did that with my agent because we're in the same company, the same agency. So he texted me on Instagram. He said that he wanted me to come here and practice with him so when he told when, when he texted me I was surprised because you know I mean Chris Archer is a star in big league so it means a lot to me that he took his time to show me around to show me how to work harder and you know it was an honor for me to be training with him because he just trying to uh, he just trying to teach me how to get better you know so I'm very grateful and hopefully I can just make place, make some place for him this year. Let's see. This year, what do you hope to get out of spring training? What do you want to do? I'm just going to try to make the team. But if not, I will go to AAA and do my job over there and just wait for the call. <laughs> Where do you want to get better this year? Defense. I just keep working on my defense because, like I said before, that's, that's the thing that 
it's been more difficult for me to get better, and I gotta put the work on it to get better and better and better. Is it getting faster? Footwork? What, what do you want? Where Where do you want to get better? Throwing. Like I said before, my throwing, my accurate, it wasn't too good. So I, I've been working a lot in that. It's getting better, though. Yeah. And you're. I know how important family is, but you're already in the states, working hard. Yeah. Are you staying here now until? Yeah. I'm gonna stay here until spring training, cause you know I gotta work, man. My family knows that. So I'm just gonna be here until uh, spring training and the rest of the season. Hopefully it's a very long season for Willie Adamas where he makes it to the big leagues. Now Adamas will be in his first major league camp this spring. Daniel Robertson will be in his third, but first where he's on the 40 man. And it certainly meant a great deal to the Rays infielder. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, you mentioned being in big league camp and um, just getting opportunities to see, you know, 40 man roster guys, uh, what they're doing, you know, in spring and stuff. It's really exciting for me to be a first year 40 man guy and, um, have, have that opportunity in spring, you know, not being a non-roster uh, invite. Uh, it's very humbling. Um, it's a stepping stone in my career to uh, where I want to be, but it, it's, a, it's an honor for sure. Um, obviously, the Rays think very highly of me and uh, looking forward to getting going. Is it motivating? I think so, for sure. Um, you know, I, I just remember when Mitch called me in the offseason and um, it told me I was going to be on the 40-man. It was not 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 a like a weight off the shoulders thing but it was like um okay let's let's get in the weight room let's let's really get after not not that i didn't take my craft serious before but just having that um you know added to to the you know in the in the mix of things is uh definitely gave me a little more motivation i guess so to say so how are you different physically now than you were a year ago well body wise i i've um you know, just taking, you know, weekly weights and from the beginning of the offseason until now, I think I put on about 12 pounds. And uh, I think uh, what really helped me out a lot is is having that full offseason. Um, you know, been in the fall league a couple times over the last couple of years, instructs before that. So uh, just having that, that full offseason to let the body kind of recoup that first, uh, you know, month or so and then having that full, full offseason to uh, really get after in the weight room, I think... Um, it was a big help for me, for sure. And where do you want to grow this year as a player? Uh, just just being consistent. Um, you know, I just reflecting on, on my previous years. Um, you know, they, these guys that are the best of the best, man, they're, they're consistent at what they do. And, um, you know, you got to just try to minimize those, those weeks where, you know, you're not feeling good and figure out a way to make adjustments quick. Um, I think that that's a major thing for me is just being consistent and um, you know I made a I made a just keep making adjustments I've made adjustments um, this off season you know so far I know it's early feeling really good where I'm at um, not changing anything just like I said just making adjustments I'm trying to just try to get better any way I can and. Um, I am very pleased with where I'm at right now. Robertson and Adamas are among the position players that were added to the 40-man this offseason. Jake Bowers doesn't need to be added until the end of the 2017 season, but he still will be going to his first major league camp as a non-roster invite. And I asked Jake where he was when he got the call that he was going to Port Charlotte a bit earlier than past years. Uh, I was at home making eggs. You know, it was pretty early in the morning. I was uh, getting ready for my workout, and uh, Mitch, our farm director, gave me a call. And, uh, you know, I had to turn the stove off real quick, obviously answer the phone. And, uh, you know, made for a good morning, made for a good workout. 
What did it mean to you? Because they didn't have to invite you yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it means a lot. You know, obviously, this is something that uh, it was a goal of mine going into this year, and uh, I wanted to leave a good impression. You know, at the end of last season, hopefully, they would consider it. And um, you know, I'm really happy they're going to give me this opportunity because uh, you know, being a younger guy, you know, only 21, I think I I got a lot to prove, and I got a lot I got a lot of people to uh, you know kind of introduce myself to. Spring training is earlier at the major league level than the minor, so how did you change your training regimen for the offseason? Uh, you know, I actually didn't have to because I didn't go to the fall league this year and I didn't go to instructs or anything like that, so I got to go straight home after the season was over, and that kind of gave me an extra month to prepare and get, get a whole extra month of lifting in as to where maybe I would have been in instructs or been in fall league or something like that. How's your body changed? You're a first baseman outfielder. What, are you, what have you done differently with your body physically? I definitely focused this offseason on putting on more speed, you know. Um, the weight always kind of comes on as you lift more and more, but uh, I focused a lot more on my speed work, my footwork, uh, conditioning, things like that. I just put a little extra emphasis on it and um, try to do my best to get a little bit faster. And is there anything in particular where you want to improve this year on the field? Definitely track and fly balls. You know, I got uh, probably 60 or so games under my belt last year, but um you definitely have a lot, a lot, a lot of room to improve out there, so that's something that I definitely want to work on. And in spring training, what are you hoping to learn during that stretch? Just what it takes, you know, um, not only on the field, but off the field as well. You know, obviously uh, the Rays do a good job of teaching their players uh, how to be professional and how to treat people and things like that. So. I think one of the main things for me would be to walk around and see how all the guys carry themselves and uh, off the field more than anything. Good luck to Jake Bowers at his first Major League camp. Thanks to Jake, Willie Adamas, Daniel Robertson, and Mark Topkin for being with us on the podcast today. We expect another podcast next week. In the meantime, thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon.